Hey folks, this is your host, Paul Winkler. Thank you for listening to the show today. Before we get into the content, I want to tell you about a new workshop I'm hosting called Politics and Portfolios, How to Invest During Election Season. You can register for it at paulwinkler.com politics. A lot of people are worried about the market this year, and I want to help you know what to do. We're going to look at historical data and academic research to explain how markets behave in election years, and we'll use easy-to-read charts and graphs. I'll be live on Friday, February 23rd at 12 o'clock. But if you can't make it live, register anyway, and we'll send you a replay link. So go check it out at paulwinkler.com politics. Now, here's your show. Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler, along with Ira Work. Remember Y2K, Ira? Oh, I sure do. I remember it because a lot of my clients were thinking that planes were going to fall out of the sky because the, the, the computers were going to fail mm-hmm. and air traffic control would have no control. And the funny, you know, the, here was the really funny thing. You know, it was like, remember the Prince song? I think it was Prince. Yeah, party like it's 1999. 1999, to yeah. To celebrate the year sure. 2000 sure. coming in. Yeah. So here it was, they were going to celebrate the year 2000 coming in with the fear that computers weren't going to work and credit mm-hmm. cards weren't going to work. Mm-hmm. I had clients cash in some, not many, cash in some portfolios mm-hmm. um, to put money in the, in the, in the I guess, the, the mattress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my whole thing during that time when we saw the rise in technology companies and mm-hmm. um, the prices going up on tech stocks was, who do you think is buying all this technology? Mm-hmm. Then people are like, we got to get out of smokestack companies because that's just old stuff and it's a new, yeah. it's a new thing now and it's technology yeah. driven. Stodgy companies. And, you know, I was like, we don't want you know, brick and mortar buildings anymore. And it was like, who do you think is buying all of this new technology. Mm-hmm. It's all these brick and mortar companies. Stodgy companies. That, you know, right. The smokestack companies, yeah. as we call them, that are upgrading all their systems uh-huh. to make sure that everything continues to run January 1st. You know, and we all got up and we uh-huh. all went to, uh-huh. bre- you know, we went to breakfast on New Year's Day and we all put out our credit cards and went to the gas stations and right. filled our tanks up. And it was just another day. I remember watching TV and watching what happened in Australia mm-hmm. and watching what happened over in those countries there where they actually went into the new year before us just to see what happened. I remember it. And then one client, you know, I didn't have, I don't remember anybody cashing out, but I do remember one client calling me in around April of the year 2000 and saying, Paul, what do you do if you got like six cases of spam? <laughs> I knew why you'd bought it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, give it to charity, take the tax deduction, and don't do ever do anything like that without asking me first. <laughs> I mean, you know, even if they did have six, you know, just bring it to a just bring it to the, your church food well, bank. That's what I said and, charity. Yeah, right. you get the tax take the tax deduction. The, you know, not yeah. even worry about the yeah. deduction. No, do you, you get the tax deduction. I mean yeah. it's like a it's like a consolation prize. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, so that's what they're talking about right here. Stocks right now, the market resembles the Y2K surge, and that didn't end well, is the title of the article. Uh, you know, so we, what is this? It, market timing? Mm -hmm. Trying to figure out what's going to happen next. But they have a couple points in here that I thought it'd be worth talking about. Unrelenting momentum that has carried the S&P 500 to the round number of 5,000 has few equals in history. The standout example being the uh, internet-fueled rally of a similar market bottom in October of 1998 versus the pivotal October 2022 20, low. And it says the, the, today's valuations may be stretched at 22 times trailing 12 months earnings. And that's typically when we're looking at stocks, that's how we're telling, are things ridiculous? Are prices like way too high? Uh, you know, so you're looking at going 22 times earnings. Now, if we turn that over, we get the earnings yield, one divided by 22. Now, let's say if we just round it to 20, one divided by 20 is 5%. So if earnings come through as expected, you still have a 5% return. What really will change it, whether it goes up and goes down is is news mm -hmm. are the profits higher or going to be lower than what was expected and that's what's being missed here you know so what happens is people look as hard as they can at the data of the company and they try to decide is this data good is it bad is it, is it going to be better than uh what is it where are these what are these earnings going to be likely uh with new technologies coming in how does productivity going to be affected by that and you can't know that you just can't know it and after the white so it says an article goes on to say and after the y2k.com bubble burst in early 2000 there was a spike in weekly initial jobless, jobless benefit claims. There's your news right there. A spike in jobless claims. And then once that happens, it's a surprise. Because if they didn't expect it and it happened, that's a surprise that tells us, hey, the economy may be weaker going forward than we thought it was going to be. And then the stock market goes down. Right. But it's a forecast. And they don't know that that's really going to happen. Yeah. So what happens is when that news comes out, the forecast was either right or wrong. Or wrong. Our current unemployment claims around 210,000 and stoic consumer confidence data suggest little sign of stress yet. And that's, you know, just, you just wait until people are going, yeah, I'm a little bit stressed out. However, he's still worried by similarities between now and then. So the price parallels, the positive feeling uh, around the long-term potential of generative AI, and here's the thing, is he says he's worried about the price. Well, I did this thing in my book, create, you know, it's it's con it's confident investing, and, and I did uh, Above the Maddening Crowd, those two books. I did two separate studies looking at P-E ratios. And if you had a high P-E ratio, and I did it even using the CAPE, uh, the, the cyclically adjusted P-E ratios, just to take out any kind of bias, and what I did is I looked at what happened in the future if the P.E. ratios were high, where the future returns lower. There was no correlation. So it is just really people think, and it seems to make sense if the prices are high compared to earnings. But you got to remember that the earnings number is what we just expect over the coming year. But when you buy a stock, you're buying all the earnings of the company going forward into the future, however long the company's around. 
Now, since the price parallels, positive feeling around long-term potential of generative AI and the investors' newfound confidence that money can be made in stocks as it was in 1999, despite a 10-year Treasury yield solidly affixed at 4% plus, continues to expose equities to inflation. Remember back then, too, Treasury yields were pretty high back then, too. I remember money market accounts paying 5% back then. Right. I remember that really, really well. And it says they expose equities to inflation, earnings, and Fed policy disappointments. But then you could have inflation coming down. You could have earnings being higher. And Fed policy, uh, you know, maybe they do things that are a little bit better than what we're expecting out of them because they're kind of holding tight to the vest and they may do something that you didn't expect that's actually to the positive. And the reality of it is, like I did a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was playing that little clip where the guy is on TV, t TV, I think it was CNBC, and he's saying, you know, here's the deal. The market is dictating to the Fed what the interest rates ought to be. That's a paraphrase. We remember that, Leviticus? Mm -hmm. It was, you know, the, it's the other way around. It wasn't the Fed telling everybody what the interest rates ought to be. It was the market telling the Fed that the interest rates ought to be adjusted in a different way. Now, consequently, what this guy favors is literally what Ira talked about at the very beginning. Because Ira knows his stuff. He's talking about favoring defense. <laughs> He's talking about defensive stocks, in other words. Uh, stodgy companies, brick and mortar. That's what he's looking at. Communications, computer staples, healthcare sectors, which historically outperformed in the time from the Fed's last hike. So if the guy's right that the S&P is poised for a downturn, he's saying you need to own value. Because a lot of people forget in Y2K, mm -hmm. value did fine. They did fine in the year 2000. International did fine. International did fine. Value did fine in 2001 too. Yeah, there were a lot of areas that did just fine, thank you, during that period of time. And if you're not in them before it happens, you got a problem on your hands. But anyway, so now is it, uh, is the market resembling that? Who knows? Who knows? Tell you what, let's take a quick break and be right back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15 minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degreed planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing, and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, we're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, along with Ira Work, talking money and investing. You know, you said something at the end of the last segment about, you know, um, does it look like 2000? 1999 mm -hmm. and people say, well, this begins to look like 1999 and are we high and should mm -hmm. we have another, you know, crash or bear market, what have you. And I think, you know, for any, anybody to go back and look at history, 
they can go back and find periods of time that looked like right now what happened then. Data mining. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's just a form of data mining. It's how annuity companies sell their products. That's they find right. a period of time and say, well, if you had bought this product instead of being in the market, this is what would have happened. Yeah. And this is how much more money you would have made. And it's just wrong. Yeah. They, they, they basically design a product based on what would have worked what would have worked over the past 10 years. They base the product design on the brochure that they're going to be producing to sell the product. Right. Yeah, it is wrong. You know, so, yes, is it possible that right now looks like 1999 in some areas of the market? Yes. At the same time, we could look at international right now mm -hmm. and say, wow, it looks a lot like 1999 when international stocks were really, really cheap. Mm. And then international stocks really did well in the years 2000 to 2010. Oh, yeah. So maybe we should overweight there. Right. You know, so you know, part of what when I was doing my workshop this past week, I said, you know, I personally do not manage my own retirement account. And mm -hmm. the reason why I don't do it is simply because... I'm looking, you know, when no, I look no, he, he is going, the investment advisor on his own account. Right. Let me, but you know, he is not physically making the trades on the account correct. is what Ira is saying. I just want to make right. sure okay. we're clear I, about I, that. Thank you for clearing that up. Yes. And the reason why I don't <laughs> He doesn't do trust it himself. Is exactly right. <laughs> but he doesn't do trust it. himself to make the trades, and, and which is exactly right. Well, I don't trust yeah. myself to make the trades, number one. Number, number be two. Because, our, because it's our money. We're, you we're, know, we're more emotional right, about there our you go. money. Yeah, be, be real clear about that, sure. And, you know, and it's very easy for me to be non-emotional about your money, Paul. That's right. And you to be non-emotional about my yes. money because it's not my money. It's the, not your money. And my favorite call that I overheard Jonathan on uh, was that day when he's telling, he goes, how do you do this? How do you do this? He goes, well, it's not my money. Right. He's telling the client. <laughs> yeah, very, so, very true. But... I would want, or I, you know, I, I would say, you know what? I think right now I'm going to move some of my U.S. more into international. And I'm going to focus more on the small. Yeah. I would do market timing. Sure, it is very easy to be tempted to do that. And you that's know? the point, yeah. And that's just what I wanted to bring up about what we were on, talking about on the last segment, mm -hmm. that it's looking, you know, some people are saying it looks a lot like 1999. Mm -hmm. You know, and in many ways, you can go back and find other periods, do the data mining to see that, which is why it's important to work with people that will work, ma help you maintain discipline right. and not let you be like a leaf blowing in the wind and whatever looks right yeah. or feels right or sounds right because you heard it from some actor on television doing that. Well, sure, it's easy to get sucked in because you know when you hear these conversations about this is what's going on and it's looking really, really high compared to history and, and you're hearing them talk about what you ought to be doing. They're very convincing. I mean, it can be really, and appealing to your fear is one of the most effective ways of getting you to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an article, Big, uh, Big Isn't Beautiful in Stocks. Despite Magnificent Seven's recent success, it's not beautiful. So this person's basically saying there's a section of the market, the Magnificent Seven, that you shouldn't be owning. And, uh, and you know, now they actually, can you hear this the new term that they got now? 
that the Magnificent Seven, which is the Microsoft, you know, the Googles and and, my, and Amazon, Apple, and you know, so on and so forth. Uh, they they're down to three. They call them the Three Amigos now. <laughs> Apple, Meta, which is Facebook, and Google are the three amigos now. That's that's the latest one. Uh, S&P 500's largest companies have been unrelenting performance over the past decade. But history shows the biggest stocks typically fail to keep up their market-beating run, according to asset allocation team Jeremy Grantham's GMO. And it basically says, by some measures, big isn't... Is, Generally, anything but beautiful is what he's saying. He's citing data from 1957 through 2023. They found, and this is something, just imagine yourself, you're investing in these companies and you hear this data. You are going to get, you're going to go, get out. Because nine out of the 10 largest stocks from 1957, long period of time through 2023, Nine of the 10 largest stocks in the S&P 500 underperformed on average in the year following that ranking. You know, so you get a company that becomes big and then what happens is you go, wow, it's nine out of 10 underperformed. Now, number one, that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's going to make you say, bolt, get out of anything big. But number two, recognize that most of you unknowingly are in really, really big companies like that. More about that in a second. Largest stocks generally become the biggest by becoming expensive. And this anti-value tilt, you know, so they become big, they become really expensive compared to earnings, compared to book value. This anti-value tilt has historically been quite costly, the article says, explaining most of these companies' poor relative returns. Said Anchor NPs, since 1957, the 10 largest stocks in the S&P 500 have underperformed an equal weighted index of the remaining 490 stocks, and this is the S&P 500, so the, those big 10 companies, by 2.4% per year. Now, let's say you have an underperformance of 2% over a 10-year period. Now, you've got about 20% less money over. Right. It's a pretty big difference. You know, imagine living on 20% less money. Uh, go over a longer period of time, 20 years, and, you know, you're you're getting well over, you know, you're you're getting a lot. That's, you know, 40% less money. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a pretty big pay cut. Let's just put it that way. The top seven companies in the S&P 500 has swelled to 28% of the index. You go back 10 years, that number was 13%. Now it's 28%. You have seven companies making up almost a third of the S&P 500. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Versus 13% a decade earlier. Big tech stocks known as the Magnificent Seven. If you haven't heard that term, they're talking about Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon and NVIDIA and Meta and, you know, those companies... You know, when you ask, Ira, when you teach workshop, you'll typically do an exercise where you people tell people to name a, a company. Mm -hmm. Talk, talk uh, about that. Well, we'll, we'll ask, uh, most of our clients, I would have to say, even before they became our clients, were not investing in individual stocks, thankfully. Right. But we'll go through a process and ask the question, if you were going to buy a stock right now, mm -hmm. 
what stock would it be? Write it down. Write down your five. And then we'll say, all right, now stand up if you pick Google. And right. about sure. a third sure. of the people would stand up. Sure, yeah. All right, what about Microsoft? Yeah. More people, Facebook. I did this the other day, actually. Did Facebook. you? Did you? Yeah. yeah. And, and um, So I'm, I'm they, totally ruining you your exercise. To those, <laughs> by the time you get to them, to those five companies, you name those five yeah. companies, everybody is standing up. Yeah. And we tell you, you really didn't pick those stocks. <laughs> those stocks picked you. That's right. And why did they pick you? Because... They're big. You hear about them all the right. time. Right. So it's something which is called familiarity bias. Mm -hmm. And there's 188 biases that happen in our mind. And what's really interesting, if you, fo if you follow any of the brain people that mm -hmm. study this stuff, your brain is making decisions before you even think that you made a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. Your brain already did it. Yeah. So when it comes to investing... Those big things sound like the right thing to do only because you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard to get people away. You know, one of the reasons that we don't really recommend and we talk against um, buying individual stocks, Tesla. Mm -hmm. Tesla's down 20% this year. It's been a rough time. Yeah, for sure. It's been a rough time. You know, and when you think about what's going on, mm -hmm. you know, Elon Musk is threatening to take his AI and take it somewhere else other than Tesla. So they don't know what's going on. Exactly. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors. And confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.